With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Chairman Mao, Jamie Howe, Ho Chi Minh, Asif Din, Vaslav Havel, Graham Savel, No Surrender, Percy Fender, Guerrilla Crickets. Welcome to Guerrilla Cricket, founded in 1864 and resident at Lord since 1877. Today we are going to focus on Middlesex. I have to hold my hands up in full disclosure and say that, that they've been my county since I was 13, which was 1972, if anyone's counting. Uh, and I first started watching them when they were playing in the John Player League on Sunday afternoons. Uh, 11 times county championships. The club has a proud history of developing so many great talents like Dennis Compton, Mike Gatting, John Embry and Andrew Strauss, to name but a few. And this tradition continues to the modern day with a very exciting group of young talent coming through with the likes of Robbie White, Ethan Bamber, Luke Holman. Uh, my guest today to discuss the business of ensuring the growth and good health of Middlesex is CEO Andrew Cornish. Andrew, a very, very warm welcome. Thanks, Tony. Great to be here. Uh, great to have you. Well, let's throw you an easy one to start with. Um, uh, a little bit about you from airports and airlines via Somerset uh, to CEO of Middlesex. Tell us just a little bit about that journey. Probably everyone will switch off at this point. <laughs> to talk about the cricket, not about me. But uh, well, anyway, um, well, I, I mean, I don't really know where to start. I mean, I, probably a hundred years ago, I said to someone, "Go oh, one day, I'd love to run a, a, a cricket club." And actually, the, there is some substance in that. When I was doing my MCC probation, I, I played in a couple of games where a guy called Jim Coons was the captain of the MCC side. Oh was also wow! The Aston Villa used to play for Aston Villa. Yes, that's right. Jim Aston Villa saw him play many times. Both both disciplines. Yeah, Jim went off to be the chief executive of Lancashire. Mm -hmm. Thoroughly enjoyed playing in those MCC games with him. Uh, it dates it. I think Dennis Amos was in the team. Um, oh, yeah. I was not at that level. I've got to stress to your, <laughs> your listeners and viewers. Okay. I'm not trying to put myself in that, that sort of sphere. I was just a young kid at university trying to get on and play some cricket. And But Jim was a, a really great guy. And then when he went to Lancashire as the chief exec, I, I sort of followed his career a bit and ironically ended up running Manchester Airport but still kept harping on to people that ever listened. And they said, what are you going to do when you grow up, Andrew? It was, God, I'd love to have a job like Jim Coombs had, and not the goalkeeper bit, but the uh, big chief executive of Lancashire. And that, that opportunity came along. I was very, very lucky, uh, right place, right time. And I got the opportunity to go to Somerset, which was very exciting at the time, as opposed to going to run an airport somewhere in North America, which had been on the had been on the table. Um, so a, a, a swift career move but something I'd always wanted to do following the dream I think I've been to most of them in North America I probably landed at whichever one it was but <laughs> there we go um, well look Middlesex has a, a, a long and proud tradition 158 years 145 of those playing at Lords um, does it still feel that there's a huge opportunity to grow the Middlesex membership base 
Yeah, absolutely there is. I mean, I guess the first thing to say with with the membership base is considering what we've been through over the last couple of years with COVID and what society's been through uh, and what we've seen with a number of other sports organisations, membership clubs of any sorts of, of walk of life. We, we've been very privileged, not lucky. I think you make your own luck. We'd be very privileged. We've had such a loyal membership base that actually our membership numbers have remained uh, very stable. Um, and for that, you know, a huge vote of thanks to our members who at the end of the day, you know, they, they own the club. So um, always got to differentiate between membership and, and season ticket holders. Our, our members are not season ticket holders. They, they own this club. Mm-hmm. And we always need to remind ourselves of that and make sure that they're aware of the responsibilities that go with that. And they certainly step up to the plate when it comes to that. Well, I've got to say, as a member, as well as doing this, <laughs> um, during the times when there was, wasn't cricket to watch, I did feel very well communicated with. And I, I've said this before but in other interviews with other CEOs. I, the, the, the communications I got in terms of frequency and readability and just general feeling of wanting wanting to keep me posted of what of what was happening were, were exemplary. So um, that was thank you for those. Um, now I still meet a lot of people who confuse Middlesex and the MCC, and they forget that as a club we play at Lords, but we don't own it. Um, can you tell us perhaps a little bit about the kind of the both the upsides, but also some of the challenges of that status for Middlesex. Big club, big history, a tenant at a wonderful home. Tell us how that works a little bit. So so let's be really clear that the upsides far, far outweigh any any downsides by by a long, long way. So yeah, there's, they're not even in, in the same scale. So yeah, it's every young boy, young girl, young person's dream to play cricket at Lords. And and we provide that opportunity um, to young cricketers um, by being here and and being the the home club. We had the MCC Women's Day uh, last week where we had a Middlesex team and a Sunrisers women's team both playing here at Lords. So it's and both won. <laughs> and both won. Very good. Yeah, both won convincingly. And, and Naomi Dutani scored a, an absolutely wonderful 100 to, to cap it all off at the end there. So so that's fantastic. Um, it, it, yes, you asked me, does it bring some challenges? I'm not going to duck the question. Uh, it does bring some challenges, but we work really closely with the MCC to minimise those things. So it's, it's clear that you know, from time to time, we're not going to play all of our cricket here. When the hundreds here, when England are playing here, obviously we're we're not here. Um, but we need to work through that. Um, and we've done a number of things over the last 12, 18 months that are, that have perhaps made things feel a bit more like home. So the men's uh, professional squad have trained here all winter, whereas previous winters they would have been a bit more nomadic. Um, They've done small things like, you know, we've worked with the MCC to provide them breakfast in the mornings. So they get here nice and early rather than the traffic issues around London that we all know about. And that's produced a real sense of of not just camaraderie within the playing squad, but also between themselves and and MCC colleagues who've been looking after them so wonderfully this winter. And that that really, you know, I'll be be the first to say I was slightly sceptical to begin with about how the impact that would have. But actually seeing a settled bunch of people arriving here, 
four mornings a week um, and then getting on with their work really professionally in the indoor school has been has been an absolute delight. So the light goes off in my office so I don't move around too much. I'm going to have to oh, okay. make it come back on. There you go. There apologies for that. Actually, it didn't change much on the screen. You'll be happy Oh, okay. My, my apologies for that. Um, yeah, we've also, you know, we Jamie Cox has arrived here um, as the Assistant Secretary responsible for cricket. He's very, very keen to, to help Middlesex and Sunrises where he can and has already made some, some differences um, in terms of things that will happen. There have been some alterations in the dressing room where we've got the Middlesex logo up there. Now, these are little things. They sound like small things, but they're actually very, very important things um, that happen. So I don't think we've ever been in a better place in terms of our relationship with the MCC. They have a lot of other cricket to put on, but we do provide, as Middlesex, the majority of the elite cricket that's played here. So we have a very healthy relationship, and that will carry on for the next 150 years, I'm absolutely certain. Oh, well, I, I hope you're right on that one. Well, well Middlesex is uh, the major uh, London cricket club north of the river. I won't say the major London cricket club because I know I'll just upset people south of the river. So I'll just stick to the north of the river. Um, uh, it, so it has a huge and increasingly diverse potential fan base. Tell us a little bit about you know, how you balance the needs of current fans, but also stay relevant um, in sort of the shifting cricket landscape when it comes to both sort of both diversifying and increasing the volume of bringing in supporters to both the game in general and Middlesex in particular. Well, yeah, it's interesting when you just, the first point you made there about north and south of the river, actually, do you know what I think as as Surrey and Middlesex, the clubs at the centre of London, we've actually got a joint responsibility to attract new audiences into follow cricket. And if half of them follow Middlesex and half of them follow Surrey and we bring a load of new people in, well, that's great for cricket. Um, so first, first of all, there's that, there's that that, that we, we would work together. So one of the things we just uh, signed up to and uh, participating in is, is a programme called the ACE programme. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Put together by... Um, Ebony Rayford Brent. It was yep. initially a Surrey uh, program, uh, kicked off there, and uh, encouraging young black people that haven't been particularly engaged with cricket potentially um, to get involved in, in in cricket. Now, Ebony and I have reached an agreement where Middlesex are participating. In that it'll be the Middlesex Ace program, um, and. In my view on that, in terms of integrating and, and building those things, a quite a frank conversation I had with Ebony was that I hope in three, four, five years' time, ACE actually works itself out of being needed and that these programmes are, are fully integrated into the pathways for bringing young people from whatever background into our wonderful sport. Yeah, no, we've had um, Ebony and um, Chevy onto mm-hmm. the show. Um, and have been huge supporters of that. So that's fantastic. Do you talk with your colleagues at Surrey on a regular basis? What was yeah. really interesting, what I heard you say there, which was really fascinating to me, was a kind of a, a sense of responsibility for all of London shared, which I quite like. I mean, I was just being sensitive because I know I've got so many Surrey friends, even though we're always teasing each other. But but that was a really interesting point of view, that kind of the, the capital city responsibility that you share. Tell us a little bit about how you, yeah, how you have those so. conversations. Well, well, I mean, it, it, it's pretty hard 
to expect someone to to take a look at the geography of London and work out whether they should be a fanatical Middlesex follower, supporter, or, or Surrey supporter. Now I know some of our you know more senior viewers and and listeners will will have established over years where where they're from and, and all this. But if you're a young person just picking up a bat and a ball and playing in a park. Yeah, you already talking about Middlesex that technically is a county that doesn't exist. Uh, yes, so there's, there's, your, there's your first challenge. So why not get on and play cricket um, in whatever format that is, be it street cricket into um, pathways, age group pathways, just recreational cricket, you know, the lifeblood of our game. And, and then we'll worry about whether you have to be affiliated to Middlesex or Surrey. And as you'd know, and I know from my Somerset days, you know, yeah, we have a lot of members that have membership of Middlesex and of Surrey and Somerset membership of Somerset and Gloucestershire mm-hmm. because because at the end of the day, cricketers, it's it's a little bit less tribal than I might be shot down in flames here, but a little less tribal than football. And people yeah, want right. to see really good cricket. They'd like to see their team win. They want to see their team win, but they also appreciate seeing an opposition play well as well. And it's about quality of cricket, not just about the result. The result is very important. Don't get me wrong. Very, very important. But but if it's really good cricket, that's that's what what counts for a lot too. Well, you I mean, I live in Surrey uh, these days, but you know what they say, you can take the boy out of Middlesex, but you can't take Middlesex out of the boy. And that's kind of where I am. Um, but again, there's a real consistent kind of theme to what you're saying there, which which is the responsibility to the broader game that a, a leader, a county has, and therefore the, the leaders of those counties. Uh, and with everyone I've met in your position at other counties, it's one that, you know, the, the, the broadening of the game, the championing of the game, the inspiring people to, to, to play, the, to not just enjoy the game by watching it, but also play it. That sense of responsibility has kind of shone through every conversation I've had. Um, Tell us a little bit about that, that sort of that personal motivation for you. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, cricket, cricket, it's a pyramid, isn't it? And, you know, there's only 11 uh, people that can go and represent the team. There might be a squad, be they a men's team, women's team, um, boys team, girls team, whatever teams we've got. You know, the, there is a natural process where there's only... 11, 12 or 13 players going going to play. So, you know, if you if you only have 11 playing in 18 counties and maybe some national counties, you've not got many people playing cricket, have you? I mean, it's very simple maths. So that, that pyramid says that right at the bottom there, you want lots of people coming through, through pathways that, that can become, become the best cricketers they want, to, they want to be or they're capable of being, but not everyone's going to make it, you know. I, I know from, I'm not going to say bitter experience, because it wasn't a bitter experience. I had a wonderful experience of of having some trials and playing some minor counties cricket, but I was nowhere near ever good enough. But I, what was really, really important was I didn't fall out of love with cricket because I, 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 I was looked after well enough to have it explained to me, you're just not good enough, Andrew, but told very politely, and I knew I wasn't good enough. But I could still carry on enjoying playing cricket, and yeah. and that's something that we've really got to nurture in in people is that it is a quite a brutal sport, and failure comes more often than success in cricket on the pitch in particular, and you know, less people make it into 
professional ranks than 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 playing you know in the recreational and amateur ranks of the game. So we've got to make it accessible to all. Well, you can misplace a pass in football and have a good game. You can miss one ball in cricket, and that's your day done. So <laughs> it, it, it does expose, you know, it, it is very sort of, it's a team game played by individuals and it's, it's in some senses more gladiatorial than almost any other sport except probably boxing, yeah, which is I mean, what, which is what makes it so challenges. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you, and you see that, that produces challenges. You know, you ask, you ask the guys and girls to cooperate and work as team, as a team and as a unit, and they do incredibly well when you consider that if you're looking across the dressing room, you're trying to encourage a youngster and help develop a youngster as a more senior person, but actually that youngster's after your spot in the team, and that's the beginning, middle, and end of it. And that's a that's a fine balance for the coaches and the players to to work their way through. Well, let's let's sort of move on a bit, and um, we, we we can come back to that theme really. I think about um, thing about actions in the community because I've got some other questions on that. But um, if you look at 2020 and 2021, they were absolutely exceptional years, not in a good way, in some, in some cases, for businesses everywhere, and very much including sport, of course. Do you feel now Middlesex are able to move to a longer-term focus? And if so, what are the absolute key building blocks that are your, you've got in place to drive the club forward? Okay, so... Um... So having said all the things I said before, um, our members want us to win. We need to win more matches, um, beginning, middle, and end of it. So we've got to be ambitious. So you know, our, our development of our younger players um, needs to be ambitious and needs to give them all the opportunities they have to be the best they can be and then get them to take responsibility for, for their actions and their behaviour. So I think what we've done with the changing in the coaching setup and how we've gone about that is, is bringing on that group of, of really talented young players that have come all the way through the pathway, through the academy. And now I think we're starting to begin to see them fulfilling their, their potential. Mm. At the same time, we, we need to enhance that with, with some overseas signings. All counties have overseas signings. We need to make sure those overseas signings add to what we have so they fit in culturally to the dressing room, but they really bring something that perhaps we don't have right now um, in in our dressing room. And and you know, in, in Peter Hanscom, we have an exceptional captain, you know, exceptional leader on the pitch. He'd be the first who was sat here now to say, you know, he hasn't scored the number of runs that he'd like to score. But but people with that sort of talent, that 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 comes. But on the pitch, he's he's and off the pitch, he's a he's a true leader. And a wonderful guy to have around. Mm. And then, as you'll see, we we brought in you know, Shaheen Shara Freedy. You know that shows our ambition. That shows the level of our ambition. You know the the ICC's young cricketer of the of the year last year. Um, we all saw his match up with Marnestan at, at Cardiff. Two nil, um, I believe. Massively entertaining. I think it's <laughs> seven nil at the moment. Too. Well, yeah, two nil in that match. <laughs> two nil in that match, but seven nil overall, or eight nil, I think, something like that. And that shows the level of 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 our ambition. So, from a cricket standpoint, winning more games. Similar applies to the Sunrisers. Sunrisers are very new. Um, there are six professional women in that group now. They're in the second year of, of being professional players. And they're finding their way in, in that area about you know 
dedicating their their work life to cricket and yeah, they they need to win more games as well we then need to win a bit more off the pitch so this is related we one thing i can say with a slight smile on my face because i think we're heading in the right direction is you know, we haven't we haven't showered ourselves in in glory off the pitch either so we've we've been united our performances on the pitch haven't been great for either middlesex or for the sunrisers and some things that have happened off the pitch have not been ideal with you you, you had some things to sweep up I wasn't going to prove those in details, but we know, oh, that's okay. we know they're there. <laughs> we're honest. We're honest and open about things. Um, that's the, the best way of addressing them. And I, and I think we've addressed that. And that that leads into getting to a place where there is financial sustainability in, in the organisation, in the club, so we can look forward and, and invest into the future. So the recruitment of a, of a new CFO to bring more financial rigour and transparency around the club is, is very, very important. Come back to my earlier point of you know maintaining a stable uh, membership base has been wonderful over these last couple of years. I mean that's not something that all counties can say, but now we need to move forward and, and grow that. And some of the things that we've put into our membership packages in the last two years, where we've offered people the opportunity to invite a potential new member along, they look they look quite exciting. And we've got over a thousand potential new members next year who are taking advantage of the gift pass that we've given. Yeah. Now, our challenge is, like you said earlier, is to communicate with them really, really well, make their experience really exciting here at Middlesex, and they get to a place where they go, yeah, I, I'm, actually, I've enjoyed that. I'm going to sign up and become a full member. Now, if we could add five, 600 to our membership base next year and the year after and the year after that, that has a huge impact on our club. Financially, a huge impact, but also in terms of the level of support that we get. Because again, do not underestimate how much our players, our, our, our men's players and our sunrisers, value having supporters around. It's been really hard for them last year, having limited crowds. You know, they really value support and really value being close and and you know friendly with our with our members and and getting generally very positive feedback. Sometimes getting some stick as well. But yeah, that's part that, that's sport. what makes them tick. It's what yeah. makes them tick. So that's really important for us too. And then I guess the final thing that that we really need to do is make sure those things that I alluded to earlier about the the facilities and the infrastructure that enables lords to feel like home. It, we can't be here all the time, so we have to have some facilities that that our players and our members feel like home. So an outground strategy, both for playing and for training. That, that has a long-term future as opposed to being too nom- too nomadic and not having the same quality. So we'll invest in those. So those would be the key platforms. Tell me a little bit, because uh, there's a few things you've mentioned there. Um, you've, you've talked about pathways and expanding. You've mentioned the, the partnership with ACE and the sort of the owning of, of, of now of, of, of increasing the, the, the reach of that, which is fantastic. Um, you have... Uh, David Burton in, I think, as transition coach. Um, tell us a little bit about that role and, and, and kind of what success looks like for, for him, <laughs> where, he's, where he's trying to go with his role. Yes, so, so that's a very good question. I mean, we've, we've known for a, lot, a long time that you know, the, what we have through the county, and this isn't unique to Middlesex, by the way, um, but moving through the county age group setup, this is particularly around men's and boys. It's it's less so with the, with the women right now. 
I can touch on that in a minute if you like. Please do. But 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 between forty and fifty percent um, of our young boys and men coming through are from either South, primarily Southeast Asian heritage, um, and in some case um, African Caribbean heritage. When you look at our professional playing squad of twenty four players, uh, that number dwindles to less than ten percent. So something's just wrong. Um, and it doesn't take a you know genius to work out that that just can't be right. Something's going wrong. The problem with it is it's very, very complex. If there was a silver bullet to solve all this, someone would have solved it a long time ago. Um, and it's a source of frustration for the young players. It's a source of frustration for their parents, their guardians. It's a source of frustration for the coaches who invest time and energy and emotion for everyone. And then somehow it doesn't quite get over the line. So, so I, I spent some time when I joined along with Ankit Shah, who co-chairs our um, Equality, Diversity and Inclusivity Committee, and Angus Fraser, who obviously has seen so much cricket in his life and played in some very diverse teams as well. And we met with um, some of the, the young men that have dropped out of professional cricket who are from a Southeast Asian um, heritage background. And ask them broadly, you know, why, what, what went wrong? What did Middlesex potentially do? What did you do? And had really open, frank chats. Somewhere it was quite challenging, to be honest. Somewhere it was really quite challenging. But generally, it was all very, very constructive and, and very, very positive. And I think we pretty much all agreed, you know, we will quietly try and make a difference here. But one of the standout things that came out, coming around to your point about Dave Burton, was... They pretty much to a person said, we didn't really have anyone we could turn to. So we didn't have someone that we could just have that informal conversation with. You know, if if it's something that was maybe said to them they don't like or they're worried about you getting selected for the team and and how they integrate and fit in. Someone that that I guess, and I think Dave summed it up when I met him for the first time. He said, So what you're looking for is is a big brother for some of these these lads. And I thought, yeah, that's probably a good way of describing it because he's a big brother that is still an incredible cricketer and athlete. So he's still very capable of going out there, playing for the second team and going, I'm going to show you how to do this as well. So he's got huge credibility. He's not a guy that's going to be sat there in his tracksuit or a suit even worse, giving advice. He's going to be out there having those informal conversations and getting getting close to the guys as a, as a mental big brother type character. And, and to be really honest with you, Tony, we've left his brief quite loose because I don't know exactly what it is. What I know is we'll provide, and if I knew what it was, it'd probably be the wrong thing if I thought I knew what it was because I'm 56 years old. There's a temptation to quantify it. Um, um, well, it'll, it'll be measured by the success. It'll be measured by, you know, how, how many of these young guys we managed to get to convert into the professional playing squad. There goes my light again. Yeah. <laughs> um, apologies for that. That's all right. So so it, it, we want to give Dave enough freedom for him to work out uh, with these young young men and boys, you know, the best way to, of course, we'll keep an eye on him. You know, we need to help him and we need to give him the support and structure that he can make a difference. But but yes, there's there's some just some conversations need need to be had. Um, what was another interesting area? I think is the age range of 
fans. And I'm going to talk separately about the streaming in a minute because I know that's helped massively. Um, but one thing I do notice, well, a couple of things Middlesex has, has, has done. One was you mentioned bringing a, uh, a friend as a member. Um, you know, I, I, I think I was offered it as a choice. My loyalty reward was, you know, was merchandise or bring a friend or, or something else, a discount. Mm-hmm. And I think I chose yeah. that I'd much rather have the bring a friend option. Um, when you look on the website, the, 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 there is a lot of great options for younger people to come along and try out watching Middlesex for, as, 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 a, as a recreation. It's very keenly priced. Do you sort of benchmark yourself against other counties? Um when it when it comes to doing that, because because my my observation is it, it's pretty good in terms of attracting so, younger people. Price wise, because if you're very young, it's free. So well, exactly, yes. Well, that's good, and, and that's yeah. So that's that's really important. I mean, we do we benchmark ourselves against other counties, other sports. I would suggest as well as other counties. Again, that's that's quite an important thing to do, and and really we're in a place where we want to get people in as young as we can get them interested in cricket and and become lifelong supporters like a lot of our our supporters and, and members are now. And I talk to people in the Middlesex room, you know, they've been coming here for 50, 60 years, which is just absolutely wonderful. And I remember coming here with their grandfather, you know, mm-hmm. we want to help that that process, help that process going along. So you know, we, we begin at the lowest level with absolutely no cost at all to becoming a member and an association. And then there, there are some some costs come in. Being honest, those costs are, are only really covering our costs. There is a cost to, to serve the membership, to, to, to build collateral, send out mailings, membership cards, and things like that. So really, until you become pretty much a fully-fledged member, it's not, it's not a profit stream to the club. It's, it's getting people involved with the club. And we try and make as many interesting activities and, and things and there's a whole different language. I read some of the stuff and I read some of the articles myself and I have to, you know, I can just about make out what they're talking about. But when they start, the players start talking about that, they were stoked about an event or something like that. I think that means they were pretty happy about it. Yeah. But uh, but it, trying to talk to young people in, in the language that they understand and how they communicate with their peers as well, I think is really, really important. Well, it, it, let's talk about the, 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 the streaming because, you know, if you want to find silver linings in, darker clouds i mean i think the the, the 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 pandemic has kind of forced that now i know uh, i think both somerset and warwickshire uh had produced numbers that said about 60 percent of viewers were 18 to 34 now that has got to be a good thing when you look at the average age of a of a, a county member not that you know hey look at me you know <laughs> we are what we are um but what has Middlesex specifically been doing to kind of move or woo those younger viewers online and say, now you can get here for you come come and now and actually watch it in for real, watch the blast, watch the the, the, the Royal London, watch watch the county game, because that it's, it's a very exciting stat just how that demographic balance has has moved younger, I think. It, it is, it, it is, and it and it's about an attachment and an association because at, at the end of the day, when you, you, you know, I've, I've heard things said when I joined cricket, I've heard, you know, people saying about, well, county cricket will die with this generation of members and da-da-da-da-da-da. 
And actually, it's just not true. If you go, if you go back and you look at the photographs of county cricket over the last hundred years, broadly, the people that are watching are of a similar demographic. And it's, it's as simple as, not in all cases, this is a slight generalisation, but it, it bears out in terms of who attends. You get to a time in your life when you potentially have more time on your hands, so you're retired or semi-retired, and you, you have the privilege of being able to do what you want to do. Some people choose to go to the golf course and play a bit more golf. Some people choose to come and watch county cricket. The blast and is is a different thing. That that's a in a lot of cases that's a night out, and for some of our members, that's not something they want to in, be involved with. For a lot of our younger members, it's a different thing. But what what we want people to do in that younger demographic, the eighteen to thirty four, is to be able to see some county cricket still and go, okay, that's pretty good. Now I haven't got the time to do it now because I'm I've got a job to do and I've perhaps got a young family or I've got other things that I'm doing but actually still be connected to it. So hopefully when those days come that they've got a free day here or a free day there, they, they can come and watch some cricket or a few hours here or a few hours there, that, that's something that's interesting to them. And then when those lovely days come when you're into a retirement or semi-retirement thing, that becomes the thing that they're passionate about. I and mean, it's, as, it's as simple as that. If we don't do stuff to promote that, then we can't expect people to wake up on the day after their retirement and go, I've had no association with any county cricket whatsoever. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to sign up for a county cricket club and go and watch county cricket. It, it isn't going to happen. Well, that, so, you, so get them involved now. You've said, you've said a few interesting things there. So let me just try and zoom in on a couple, if I may. Um, the relationship between the blast and the club, the, the, the bigger picture for the club. So we talked about, younger fans I and mean, it, it was quite interesting because you, you, you kind of sounded like you were putting it in a box and it is a night out i actually i quite enjoy it <laughs> i see loads of families there you know and i think that's fantastic um but surely the blast bringing people in that's going to be where a lot of younger fans will come can fall in love with middlesex fall in love with lords or indeed wherever it's being played and find a way to doing other things as as well. I, it, I don't think we're saying, are we, that the blast sits in a a separate box? Oh, no, no, absolutely not. No, I was guessing making that comment. I'm just being respect. <laughs> I'm being respectful to the plenty of members I speak to who say, oh. I will never come and watch a blast game. It's too noisy. It's too you know. It's too much going on. Um, I don't sad. like. It. I think and that's I'm a bit, I, bit well, sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> well. That's their choice, isn't it? And Indeed I think I think we, what a wonderful sport that we can provide different formats uh, and uh, and appeal to to different people. So I guess I was just acknowledging that. Um, no, I agree. I think coming along, falling in love with Middlesex, watching the blast, and then and then moving on doing other things. I mean, the thing to remember with cricket: if you talk to if you talk to a professional cricketer, uh, and I'm sure there are some exceptions, but the, the professional cricketers I've spoken to. They will all measure their career at the end of their careers by their red ball stats. Yeah. They will all, a batsman will talk about, I averaged 45. They won't talk about, I had a strike rate of 139. Um, they, they will talk about their red ball stats. Now, their, their white ball earnings might contribute significantly to their lifestyle, but I think they, as professional athletes, Will measure in in the majority of cases that they've told me by what happens in 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 red ball cricket because red ball cricket is is the pinnacle of cricket 
And the other bits of cricket are absolutely fantastic and amazing sport. We can offer so much and so much variety to different audiences. And in some cases to all. I mean, before I was involved in cricket, I, I loved all forms of cricket. I was loving the blast. I was loving county championship cricket, loving test match cricket. And that was when I was running an airport. I, I started with John Player. I remember well, sitting behind Mike Selby when he was fielding. I'll date that. That'll date me. I used to see. I'm not making any comment about that in case he watches this. Well, exactly. Well, hopefully he does. Viv Richards, I <laughs> saw Clive Lloyd. I saw. I mean, it was just not yeah. just the talent Middlesex were fielding, but some yeah. of the opposition were, were just you know the most fantastic players. It was a brilliant yeah. way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Um, I want to do want to touch a little bit on the hundred. Um, is there evidence for Middlesex that we're seeing? London spirit interest migrate towards Middlesex or is it too early to tell? No, you tell me. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I don't, I'm not sure I fully understand the question. Right, London... so, well, okay. So we have the, we have a team playing at Lords. Mm -hmm. Our Middlesex players play in different places. Um, are we seeing the, uh, uh, the hundred starting to find people who are going well i like this i wonder if i could start coming to watch more cricket at lords generally and that would then lead them to middlesex i guess i'm fishing really for the the, the early seeds of, of of a pathway that yeah. takes people from 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 the franchise to the county that's what i'm, I'm looking to see if there is anything there so abs so absolutely absolutely what what strategy set out to do uh, was to find new audiences and there is no doubt that the hundred has begun to find new audiences you have to remember it had quite a difficult start the first year was cancelled last year there were restrictions on overseas players and overseas superstars getting here because of still of covid restrictions and actually having covid i think for me that the big standout for the hundred last year was was women's cricket and the double headers and the support for women's cricket and that's bringing in that is bringing in new audiences family-based audiences which is what the hundred set out to do and they will you know there were people watching cricket on tv coming to see cricket they'd never been to a cricket game before and all the research that's been done around the hundred says that those people a lot of them want more cricket and will come and find more cricket we need to make sure that we're the first door they come knocking at um, yeah, well, that's a bit of a, I certainly hope so. Now, a lot of people have kind of drawn or made a direct connection between England's disappointing test results of late and the timing and structure of the county game. Do you think that the structure and timing of the championship in 2022, not worry about what we don't know yet, <laughs> but do you feel that the, for, for, for this year, it, 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 will, it's, it is going to start improving the quality of performance across the board. Hey, I'm I'm a chief exec. I'm not a I'm not a coach, um, <laughs> and I'm certainly certainly not Sir Andrew Strauss, who is yeah. who is definitely the right person to be leading this, and probably the right person for you to ask that question to. Yeah. What I can say is that the 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 county championship has got more cricket in the middle of the summer. Yes, that from what I hear from the coaches and just instinctively to me says that's got to be better for performances and, and, and a closer alignment to test cricket. 
what I can say with a degree of authority is that, that this is really good news for members, um, that they're getting, you know, it, as lovely as it was here uh, the week before last against Derbyshire and last week in Glamorgan, it's still very, very chilly. And it would be really nice to be watching some cricket for our members in, in the peak of the summer and, and some county championship cricket is going to happen in the peak of the summer. Now, people would always like more, but, but this is a good step in, in the right direction. That's good to hear. Um, how would you respond when people register a, a fear? I mean, there's again, you have to unpack speculation and what you read from possibly reality going forward. But um, a lot has spoken about franchise structures and city bases for the 100. Um, do you feel that some f- fans' concerns are justified, um, particularly around, you know, a kind of a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A a, a, uh, a centering around the Test match grounds, and a potentially therefore marginalisation of some other counties. Is that something that registers on your radar, or, or, or not? No, it doesn't. I mean, I've I've heard it talked about, obviously, and I've like, you know you read the press like anyone else does, and and I think this conversation's been going on for the last twenty years anyway. Um, it's not a new conversation. What I would say is, you know, decreasing the number of counties or centralization just reduces the opportunities for for young men and women to play elite sports. So I think that's totally counterintuitive. Mm. Um, if anything, I'd be going the other way, to be honest. Um, now, it may not be possible to do it in, in the same way, but, you know, you, you can see in a sport like football, you know, where they have semi-professional leagues you know long way down the the system there are people that that make a part of their living at least through through playing football now i know football's on a different scale to cricket but i think we should be creating more opportunities for people to make a livelihood even if it's not 100% of their their livelihood through through professional cricket so you know i i wouldn't be reducing those opportunities i'd be looking to increase those opportunities in whatever way you do that well, that, that's, that's also good to hear. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to project yourself forward now, you personally, Andrew. Um, if, if it's five years from now, we're, sat, we're having a beer, and I'm asking you, well, Andrew, the last five years, um, what were the highlights? In other words, when you look back five years from now, what are the things that you think success will have contributed to what you want success to be? Um, so they're probably they're, they they should be aligned to the things that I said earlier about the platforms that are really important. So you know I would like to see uh, Middlesex men's, women's, and Sunrisers team um, with some silverware. It, it is a performance-based sport at the end of the day. Yeah. So let's yeah. let's have some silverware. Let's be realistic though. You know we're not going to win everything tomorrow. So let's start on a journey that's being better than we were last year and, and let's get some more some more wins under our belts let's sort this issue out in terms of um, inclusivity um, in terms of inc- diversity inclusivity from a playing standpoint and from a membership standpoint so let's truly make sport uh, the cricket a sport for for everybody um, beyond you know race and gender there are huge issues in cricket around 
socioeconomic issues that are that are less obviously visible, but they are, they are issues that that keep people out of of following the game and in some cases participating in the game. Things that we are trying to address here at Middlesex. So I'd like to see that moved on significantly. Um, I'd like to see our membership, which is you know around seven thousand now, something like that. Wouldn't it be nice to see that at twelve, thirteen thousand members? Oh, sorry. Like that, I think. <laughs> well, we have to be fourteen or fifteen, and yeah, we have to be yeah. members. So as much as I said we'd like to be very inclusive in a London approach, but we still got to be better than them as well. But yeah. they, they set they set a good benchmark for us to go at. Let's put it that way. So that's something to aspire to for us. There, mm-hmm. um, I'd like us to be in a place where we're able to invest in the future. So the club was financially sustainable um, over a long period. You know, we're not in a bad place now, but I, I think it would be nice to be able to look five, 10 years ahead as opposed to three, five years ahead, um, which will enable us to invest in other things, which again, help to grow the game of cricket overall. Because if you grow the base of that pyramid that I was talking about, then what comes out the top of the pyramid is is likely to be bigger and better as well. Well, so wins, um, inclusivity, doubling membership, in investing in the future and growing the base of cricket across our area, which have, beyond our own area, because we're owning all of London jointly and beyond. Um, those are worthy and um, highly, highly supportable objectives. Andrew Cornish, thank you so much. It's uh, been a real pleasure. And I hope our uh, followers and all cricket followers will enjoy listening to to those points of view. Thank you. Thanks thanks for continuing to support. Sports Social Podcast Network.